Welcome to the LodgeCast, the official podcast show of Gentleman'sAvenue.com. This is being recorded at Nopalero Studios. We're on the 13th floor of Whittier's tallest building. That's right, folks, the penthouse suite. It's all ours. You're tuned in to episode 36. We have a great guest, actress, and advocate, Jennifer Marshall. She's here. So real shortly, it's going to be because she'll be right here interviewing. So uh, remember, all these can be found on our website, gentlemansavenue.com forward slash LodgeCast on iTunes, Google Play, social media. And so don't we have not only the podcast, which is the audio only portion, but then we also have the vodcast, which is the video. So if you want to check out everything that we're talking about, you want to see this amazing state of the art high-tech set you can watch it maybe you're like you know what i'm tired of watching hulu or whatever it is you're streaming you want to see quality content you can check this out so without further ado i want to welcome actress and advocate jennifer marshall hello hi i just spilled water all over me (laughs) it's already off to like an amazingly (laughs) that's great well you didn't have to point it out you could have just went along with it well no the the video's on me so it's like hey i'm so well now people are like what i I gotta if they were just like (laughs) listening to the podcast they're like man i gotta tune in (laughs) hey that's all right it's more eyes well you know more eyes they they could always think you know it was maybe the eye sculpture you know that kind of you know it's like melting because <laughs> yeah. it ha- it's disgusting outside the weather is. is foul but it's it's amazing in here though <laughs> you know when you when you rent the penthouse suite you got to go all out it's nice i like you it. know what i mean yeah the view oh to, to die, die for <laughs> <laughs> jinx they say great minds think for themselves sometimes <laughs> i'm just playing um you know what i was just reading that apparently california's fires has actually created our own like unique weather system. Have you heard really? about that? I have not. And I'm wondering if that's why the weather has, unlike any <sighs> summer I've ever experienced. It's been so hot. Are you native to California? No, I'm from Colorado. So it's been so hot. What part of Colorado though is it? The mountains. So yeah, it gets pretty damn cold, right? Yes, it does. And I lived in Virginia for mm. 10 years. So it gets pretty humid there. Mm-hmm. But even with that speaking, it's been so hot. Mm-hmm. And I have the kids for the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're not in school. And so we've literally just been sheltering in place from <laughs> 12 noon to 6 p.m. Like, Mom, this is the most boring summer ever. I'm like, I know. I know. <laughs> can I put you, can you go to a summer school? <laughs> I know. <laughs> they probably well, have air conditioning. I know. <laughs> it's like incentive to go to summer school. <laughs> well, God forbid if there was a blackout or something. Oh, thank God we have solar. Because oh, okay. they have they have the All rolling right. blackouts, uh-huh. and so we were being really good Californians, and we weren't using like we weren't doing our dishwasher and our washing machine and our dryer during during the the day because you're not supposed to do that because it can ca- cause blackouts. Mm-hmm. And then my husband said, "I appreciate that you're being like the ethical Californian, but <laughs> we have solar; you can do whatever you yeah. want." And I was like, "Oh, we can!" So we blast our AC like nobody's business now. So does it feel like? <laughs> We do. we do. It doesn't affect us, so. The kids are wearing sweaters. <laughs> oh, man. No, even with that, it's so hot. <laughs> so hot. But it, it's a unique thing. I think it's it's interesting to just read that. I think just this weekend I read it. And yeah. I was like freaking out in a way because you're like going like, how much do we impact our environment? That's crazy. I mean, 
the drought hasn't helped. And well, you know what I thought was was crazy in Idlewild, they had those huge fires, mm-hmm. and three days ago they were two percent contained, and then they were seventeen percent contained mm-hmm. the next day, and then they were fifty six percent contained. Mm-hmm. I'm like, these firefighters are killing it. Yeah. Props to them. That's an incredibly dangerous job, and mm-hmm. just nothing but love to them. They, yeah, they they're always the ones that run first, and just like you know, law enforcement. Yep. Uh, well, theoretically, you're supposed to run first to the... Theoretically, yeah. yeah. So most of the time they do, and nothing but love and respect because those are very, very difficult jobs, and um, they deserve our love and respect for sure. Speaking of difficult jobs, you have held, I in my, uh, what, how I view things, uh, one of the most difficult jobs, uh, and that is serving our country, which I thank you for your service. Um, not only because you served our country, but you went in, a, and, and it's not a, like a knock on it, but as a woman that you actually, you know, decided to, to serve because the military traditionally is viewed as kind of like male dominated. Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So you went into the Navy, right? I did. Um, I went in at 17 mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I come from a generations of service. Mm-hmm. So um, my father served, my grandfather served, my uncle served, my uncle and aunt on the other side of my family served, my great grandfather served. So it's everywhere in my family. And um, I have two brothers and oddly I was the one, uh, the uh-huh. sole female who decided to serve, but it was my pleasure and it was the best thing I've ever done with my life. So you were stationed on a ship. I was. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, Sometimes I watch these like documentaries because, you know, I'm kind of like, if the worst is going to happen, it's going to happen to me. But, oh, like, right? <laughs> worst case scenario, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be the guy that gets attacked by Jaws. You know what I mean? If well, I go swimming yeah. far. But at least you'll be prepared. You'll know to like hit the shark on the nose and all the crazy when, things. When I hear dun, 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 that means he's coming, right? That's yeah. the, 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 the signal. But did you ever encounter it? Because I, I saw these documentaries about these rogue waves they talk about. Have you guys ever encountered like some craziness? One time. One time we were, so I was on an aircraft carrier the last two and a half mm-hmm. years I was in. I was on the USS Theodore Roosevelt, which at the time was homeported in Norfolk, Virginia. We were out to sea during a tremendous storm. So for an aircraft carrier to be affected by a storm, it has to be a huge exactly. storm. So we were out to sea and they started bringing all the planes down from um, the flight deck on the elevators. They were trying to bring them down into the hangar bay. And they were bringing an EA-6B prowler down and they did not close the canopy because they were just rushing, 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 trying to get these planes mm-hmm. down. I would hate to see who got the bill for this. And I know the individual sailor did not get the bill, but if he or she did, oh my gosh. They didn't put the canopy down. They started lowering the prowler mm-hmm. on the elevator and a wave came up and hit this prowler and all of that gear inside, millions of dollars of gear got wet. Wow. So we started hearing that they were calling for the emergency reclamation team and they were trying to pull all of this out. And you know, I don't know what you do. What do you do? You put it in a bag full of rice. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I have yeah. no idea what you do, but they're trying to save this gear that's millions wow. of dollars. Mm-hmm. And um, the ship was rocking. So to make a carrier rock, that was the only time I ever got seasick on a carrier. It's so like, how much do they weigh? Like oh, hundreds, thousands of know. tons? I don't even know. They're just. I don't even know. I just know that 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 storm, people were so sick, including me. They were so sick. They had bags Mm -hmm. and we were all laying (laughs) and people on smaller ships are like wussies you know but this this was a big storm we were all and i think it was a tropical depression or a tropical storm um that we had Mm -hmm. sailed through we were all laying on the hangar bay people were puking into bags wow we're just so sick we couldn't lay at the ends of the ship because the rocking's worse Mm -hmm. so we were all laying in the hangar bay and i remember just laying in the office on the cool floor just 
Throwing up in a bag and laying back down. <laughs> Throwing up in a bag and laying back down. Man, that sounds brutal. It was bad. I, it made me happy I was not on a small ship. Wow. Because the small ships are affected by the ocean like that, but Cause not a carrier. They're essentially like cities, right? Floating cities. Yeah, an aircraft right? carrier, 5,000 people. Yeah, it's not just beds and planes, right? No, you have a post office and you have a ship store and you have a barber and you have laundry. And it's funny, though, because you see the same like ugly 25 people that you hate. <laughs> and I say this probably being one of the ugly 25 people that somebody else hated. You see them every single day when you're out to sea and you're like, oh, I can't stand that person. You know, because you see them every single day. No. And they annoy you and they bug you. And then you pull into port and you see someone and you're like, oh, hey, that person's cute. That person's whatever. And you start talking to them and you say, hey, what ship are you on? Because you're in the same battle group and you think they're on a mm. small boy. And they say, oh, I'm on the Roosevelt. And you say, what? I'm on the Roosevelt. How's that possible? What? But if you don't work in the yeah. same part of the ship, it's possible you never see that person. Yeah. But yet you see the same 25 people every single day. So it kind of prepared you then for becoming an actress, right? Oh, Is being it? in the military? Yeah. People say it's worlds apart. And it's worlds apart, but it's definitely very similar in some mm -hmm. aspects. How so? You know... You have to know how to act in the military. You act a certain way around your peers and you act a certain way around your commanding officer. Mm -hmm. The same way, acting. So the whole world is truly a stage. Oh, absolutely. If you know what you're doing. I mean, if you just act crazy <laughs> all the yeah, time. Yeah, that wouldn't go good, right? Yeah, you just act crazy all the time. But yeah, it's um, there were lots of things. Business-wise, the military prepared me for acting business-wise. Mm -hmm. um, because everybody, you know, actors are like artsy-fartsy and they've got, you know, I'm an artiste. That's mildly interesting. Mm -hmm. We get that. Um, there's a business part of it because you can be the best actor in the world. Mm -hmm. But business-wise, if you don't know how to sell that and you don't know how to market that, mm -hmm. you're going to be the best actor in the world in your mom's basement. And nobody's <laughs> yeah, going to see true. you. That's nobody's going to know you. So yeah, it prepared me business-wise. Um, I'm always on time. I'm always early. I'm always prepared. I'm, I'm good at tooting my own horn. And I'm good at... And you have to be. You know, people say that's narcissistic. It's not narcissistic. You have a product and you have to sell it. And the product just has, happens to be you. Yeah. So you really have to get into the habit of doing that and not see it as being narcissistic. Because I'm not selling myself. Yeah. I'm selling my skills as an actor. It's a commodity. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. It, it's not something where maybe people would take themselves for granted or puff themselves up more. There's a confidence, I think. Yeah. You have to have in anything you do, right? Mm -hmm. That you can, you know, spit in the wind and it'll keep going if it needs to, you know? Yeah, Whether definitely. People see it or, or not. But I also think you have to be realistic. I mean, if my agent were to text me and say, Jennifer, can you do a Scottish accent, you know, for five pages of dialogue? I would say, I think we need to pass on this audition. That's not a Scottish brogue is not my cup of tea. I surely look Scottish, but I'm not going mm. to be able to pull that off. Um, now, if he says, can you do a British accent for a co-star for five lines? Absolutely. How hard is it to nail accents? I mean, that's kind of interesting. Accents are very hard for me. Mm -hmm. It's... um. Southern's not because I spent years in Virginia. So mm -hmm. I get a lot of Southern accent auditions and that I can nail because I, I lived there for so mm -hmm. long. But um, yeah, it's difficult. And then British people say, I can do a British accent. Well, there's so many different parts yeah, of like the UK. Specific, like kind of almost like a dialect. Yes. Right? So if you say I can do a British accent, I always kind of wonder, do you really know what that is? Because there's so many different parts. That's like saying I could do an American accent. Mm -hmm. Wow. Come on. Yeah. Lots, of lots of different dialects in America. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, accents are not my, I'm not, uh, a mim I'm not good at mimicking, mm -hmm. and I feel like accents are very good at mimicking. I'm more of an empathetic actor, so mm -hmm. if you give me anybody's storyline, even if it's a serial killer, mm -hmm. and I say, I need you to identify with this person, I will find the saddest, most pathetic 
part of that person's life and try to tap into that person. Mm-hmm. I'm really big on empathy, but mimicking, it's hard for me. Well, I, I think your your uh, your role in, in the hit show Stranger Things on Netflix, I was like, wow, this is almost like polar opposite of who, you know, I, I've come to learn you are. Totally. Right? It is. Yeah. It's... Um, Man, I have never taken so many damn notes. I usually t- <laughs> I don't even really take notes anymore. Any even if I meet people for the first time here, and I was like, oh my god, this situation with Stranger Things is. I, I and I even I even think I googled like uh, cast schematic, like trying to figure out like can they just have like a a, a flow chart or something? Yeah. of who's who. Yeah, because after season one and season two, I was kind of like you kind of forget and then they introduce new characters and you come out on season two uh, as Susan. And I found it weird. So they have, they have the name listed Susan Hargrove, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're married to this really nice man named Neil. (laughs) Isn't he a gem? (laughs) Oh man. Well, you know, first of all, I, one thing, the, the Duffer brothers who are the creators of the show. Amazing. Love them. The title I thought about that title and I thought they're already telling me things are strange in this Mm -hmm. world, but they're going to show you even stranger things than you think are. And a lot of it isn't truly about this other world of the upside down. That's kind of like on the periphery. Mm -hmm. I, to me personally, the stranger things is looking into people's homes because that's what you're doing. Oh yeah. And you're a guy. So, so, uh, Neil, so you have Neil Hargrove, uh, very, uh, God, what is he? He's like a firecrack, like a oh domestic violence guy almost. Yeah. Well, he is domestic violence, yeah. right? Abusive man. Yeah. Um, your stepson, Billy Hargrove, who's, who's, do you remember that movie Weird Science? Oh, I loved that movie. He's like, he reminds me of that guy, the brother that would, you know, he's like the hunter with the Jeep. Yes. Um, Bill Paxton. I don't. Is Bill Paxton who, played him. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. Really? He did. Because then later he becomes so like a. He becomes family. a blob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was Bill Paxton. Oh my god! That's... I'm almost positive it was Bill Paxton because I remember watching it, thinking, "What the heck?" Because sometimes I'll watch '80s yeah, movies yeah, yeah, yeah. and now these big stars. Yeah. Where are they now? Yeah. So here he is, like supposed to be like the stud muffin, out of towner, um, abnormally tight jeans, cool. <laughs> he has a Camaro. The ladies do not complain about those abnormally tight jeans. But, you know, I, I, I was looking and so I pulled up this. The first time we see you is this shot right here as you're walking in. And and I wonder, too, is like how many vintage stores did they have to go to to find a lot of the items? Like even seeing a Sears bag uh, like this. That costume department and production design department is amazing mm. because me being almost six feet tall. Mm-hmm. It's even harder to find vintage clothes to fit me. So when That's I true. went to the fitting, I was like, oh, guys, I'm so sorry. I'm <laughs> like a Gigantosaurus Rex. I'm so sorry. And they were wonderful. And they there were several pieces they had to fix. The mm. seamstress had to fix to fit me. But they were wonderful. And they have trailers and trailers of vintage clothing. So here you are. You're walking into the house. And this is, it, it kind of reminded me of, I think it was Star Wars Rogue One, where the show takes a dark turn because the first season, and, and this is actually what uh, probably more three quarters of the way into second season on episode eight, when you come out and it's in the beginning of the show. Yeah. And there's this very dark, disturbing family scene that yeah. takes place. So here you come home, you're looking for Max who's, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I really wish they had like a family chart of people. So, 
Max is your daughter. Yes. And Billy's your stepson. Yes. So it's a blended family. Mm-hmm. So that's a new thing. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about it, though. No, and it was something that wasn't as common in 1984 as it is today. Yeah. Well, people are too busy getting divorced, like, you know, if it was going out of style. Yeah. I think in the 80s. Uh, right. Well, you know, and that's another thing, too, with the show. For me, it's like I lived through the 80s, and I'm kind of like it's sometimes it's like it's kind of cool to see. Oh, yeah. It, but then you're kind of like, yeah, it probably was that bad, you know, in people's homes. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because nobody else gets... You know, and so anyways, on this part, this this scene here that I took a little picture of, uh, you're looking for your daughter. You come home, you're looking for Max, and your husband's behind you. But then we encounter Stud Muffin, cool guy of the year. Right? <laughs> and what what is he Australian or something? Yeah, Daker's Australian. Yeah, what's his name? Daker. 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 Mm-hmm. Hmm. And he is. Amazing. No, I mean, it, this character's. I was, I'm referring to Billy. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Not the guy himself. Like, no, Billy, asshole, not so great. <laughs> but Dacre, it, it's night and day. Yeah. Night and day. Well, I think that also reflects your you, you as an individual, your acting abilities. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you probably saw like the scene and, you know, as a human being and who you are, you're probably like, now I'll knock this boy's teeth out. You oh. Know what I mean? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Right. And so, but you're having to play a totally passive Oh, trust me. Jennifer is not Susan. Because I would knock my husband out if he was like that. There's no way. Two bodies would hit the floor. Mm-hmm. I would not tell her. So here's husband. Billy. And, and I can say, I I really think it's it's an interesting way to start episode eight. Because I don't know how many episodes are needed in season two. Nine. So not, oh my God. So. And it happens after episode seven, which is kind of the episode that removes us from what's going mm-hmm. on. So we take this break from everything going on mm-hmm. in Hawkins. And then this is how we return mm-hmm. to what's going on. So it's a real jolt back into what's going on. But and could it also be that here's this California dysfunctional family transplanted to, where's it, Indiana? Yeah. Right? And they're coming with these non-wholesome Midwest problems. And they know? never explain in the second season, why did they come? Billy's very angry about that. So why did they come? Yeah. Where's Max's dad? Where's Billy's mom? Mm-hmm. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe they got together, at least Susan and Neil, for convenience, security. And so here, both of you in the scene, and you're looking very, I mean, I have to say, like, it, it, it's it's like, <laughs> man, this isn't like the Navy veteran here, man. No, but no, this, no. Is, this is a testament to your acting because, you know, a lot of it is physical, but then there's also the lines that are very... Uh, very, I don't know, I want to say weak for a woman, but it is that you're playing that role, which unfortunately there's probably still people that do that women in those roles today or men right. for that matter. Yeah. Where you have uh, a domestic uh, abusive, it doesn't have to be physical, could be mental, emotional. Right. So for them to tap into this, because the dad ends up, does he punch him? I don't know, or just slam him. Oh, or, he slams him into the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. It gets crazy because you're thinking like wait a minute i thought this was like a feel-good mystery sci-fi show and then all of a sudden you're showing us it's almost like the duffers are saying you want to see something strange here's something stranger the people's lives and i think everybody at that point says oh that's why billy is that way and you kind of hate billy all season but then once you get to the scene you said well you have half the people saying they feel sorry for billy and the other half saying 
Well, I don't feel sorry for him, but I kind of understand why he's the way mm-hmm. that he is. Because up until then, Billy's the biggest a hole on the show. Mm-hmm. And then Neil comes in and he takes the cake. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're. You're. In a way, it's kind of like an unhappy situation that people find themselves in, and they're trying to make the best of it, but they're going about it all the wrong way. Because uh, Max, your daughter in the show, she just is kind of like she. She hasn't developed that hatred and bitterness she's kind of rogue in her own way like independent she's like escapism that's her thing yeah she's gonna go play her video games was it dig dug dig dug (laughs) ride her skateboard that's Mm -hmm. how max deals with it you know Mm -hmm. billy deals with it by smoking and dating and racing his car and picking up on hot moms (laughs) yes he does (laughs) which that's okay yes he does (laughs) at least he'll be out of the house Okay, Susan. <laughs> but um, Susan doesn't want a parent any more than she has to. She's she's very overwhelmed in everything that she does. She already has one big violin kid at home. Yes. One thing I noticed about the show, and I sat here and I was I was I was thinking about it. There's so many parallels to so many other great. And tell me if I'm wrong. Poltergeist, mm-hmm. I think, is a heavy influence. Uh, you know, not only do you have like, remember the little girl goes into the wall or the attic or something, and yeah. there's this. That's season one, right? And then season two, you have which communicating to the lights. Um, what's his name, Mike or uh, the little boy, Will? Right. Right. Uh, there's a heavy sixteen candles they, kind of coming they pull of age from so many. It 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 just X Files, uh, and they pull seamlessly. Oh, like. So kids nowadays who watch the show, they're like, oh, Stranger Things is so great. Sometimes it's so blatant, though. Like the Jurassic Park, the scene where they had to go, uh, remember the park gets shut down and they have to go reset the power and restore the power in Jurassic Park? Oh, I didn't even think Oh, my God. That. That's like total. I was like. Oh. And then when Bob, so you're talking about the parallel where Bob has to go. Remember there was trapped oh, in the building. Yes, yes, yes. In yeah. the uh, whatever, what was it, the research facility? Yeah. Right? Um E.T. Don't judge me. I've never seen E.T. Oh, my God. I know. But but then I also feel bad because there's also there's so much do we see not only in the Hargrove family, but then Hopper's character, that feeling of loss, of losing mm-hmm. a child. And so he's willing to shelter and hide for his. It's really his own. I don't want to say selfishness, but man, it, at least the, the storyline is that he wants the replacement. I'm really looking forward to finding out what happened to his daughter because I don't think that his daughter really died. I don't think. I always wonder, did she get taken in by the research facility? Like, what happened? That would be an interesting twist. Yeah, but then again, the Duffer brothers tend to go away from fan theories. So, I don't know. I'm waiting to see. But that storyline really, I mean, as a parent, just strips me apart. And it it reintroduced... A whole generation to, to Eggo waffles. Right? <laughs> I wonder if they're. You know, I've heard Millie doesn't even really like them, that, oh which man, is funny. That's she doesn't sac- really even understand the. That's sacrilege. The whole thing behind them. That one scene when they had to have the TV dinner, I was laughing. I was like, that looks like a legit. What was that one? The steak they used to call it. They'd give you in a TV dinner. The Salisbury steak. Yeah. Oh man. That was like a thing. When I was growing up, we had TV dinners, but now it's like kind of a no-no. You don't feed your kids TV dinners because now we realize they're full of sodium. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was like, this is great. The, the, the Kids' cuisine. Yeah. 
This is so delicious. But she, she's, yeah. I mean, which makes me wonder, like, the character, too, is, like, why is she so enamored? You know, what? why, of all things? And it's, it's Eggo Waffles. It's not. Just that brand? Yeah. It's not like, you don't see her walking out with, like, a Kroger brand, like no. a generic. Just the Eggo. She wants the name brand stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. The world of Stranger Things is so big. There's even a wiki for them. Yes, there is. I was, like. Yeah. This? Somebody sent that to me and they were like, you're in the wiki. I was like, whoa. Does that mean I'm like big time? Yeah. There's a wiki. Well, does it feel, how does it feel to be part of something that is already a cult following? Like a, you know. You know, somebody had told me, even if you quit acting tomorrow, you're part of something that is just massive and it's in the culture forever mm-hmm. you know it's not a show that airs for a year or a season and gets canceled mm-hmm. it's something that everybody knows about it's something that's worldwide and that kind of put it in perspective for me and it's just an honor it's been mm-hmm. such an honor and it's such a blessing and to work with two creative geniuses like the duffer brothers and with like sean um it's been wonderful mm-hmm. it's been really really wonderful and even if i were never in an episode again it's been an amazing experience. It's also I can't say if I'm in any more yeah. episodes. I cannot. But I would I would say if I were to never be in an episode again, I'm very thankful to have been a part of it. Well, if if uh the Duffer Brothers, if I could tell them anything, I would need them to know that we need to expand on the situation with the Hargrove family. Because you can't just it, it's like it's like going by and picking somebody's scab. And then just walking away and going, huh, I picked it. Letting it bleed and not putting the esporin on it? Do something. Show <laughs> me something more. Show me, like, how did they hurt themselves? Like, because we are, and it was interesting, so many of the fans, they 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 try to fill in all the blanks. Mm-hmm. And so, like, your, your, I don't know if it was your previous, uh, the character's previous name, but they even had also known as Susan uh, Mayfield. Mayfield, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's Max's last name. Exactly. But that yeah. doesn't necessarily mean she was married to the father either. Right. So I was kind of like, well, is that really? You know, there's so much because she becomes almost like the, almost like an antagonist for Eleven's character. Right. There's another female. And it's interesting that both female characters in the show are leading the boys around by the nose. Yeah. Girl power. I love that. That's something Love that's, that's kind of like Westworld-ish. You know, do you watch that show, Westworld? No, it's on my list. No. There's certain shows that are on my list that I will only watch them once they're done because I want to binge. <laughs> that's what I did with Mad Men and Breaking Bad, and that's yeah. how I prefer to watch my shows. Yeah. And I have no regrets for... Everybody said during Mad Men and Breaking Bad, you have to watch it now. And I was perfectly happy binging them because <laughs> I don't want to have to wait. Well, see, that's the new thing also is streaming media. Yeah. So you have the, you're free from... Having Fox, Paramount, these big, big powerhouses go, you know, we give you the the golden ticket. It's your turn to shine. Yeah. You can, somebody like the Duffer Brothers can create a show, pitch it, and then have it picked up by a streaming service where there's no, like, I don't, I don't know, does Netflix, I don't even know, they don't even think they own studios, do they? They probably just rent. I don't know. I'm not really sure. Not like Paramount, right? You go, they have a studio. Because Netflix, right? they shoot everywhere. I mean, yeah. we shoot Stranger Things in Atlanta. And Hot I know Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. And I know they shoot some in Los Angeles. But, you know, I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. And one of my beefs with Game of Thrones is when Sunday night ends and it 
is off for a whole week. I have massive anxiety. I'm waiting for the next episode. So I try to yeah. limit that. I don't, I'm all about binging. That's mm-hmm. my jam. Yeah. It's hard because Game of Thrones also, mm. it's one of those shows where the storyline's so powerful. It's like crack. It just yes. it gets you. And then you're, and then I hate it when they, when they don't, the next episode has nothing to do with the previous episode. Me and you're too. like, are you kidding me? Me too. Like you're just toying with my emotions right like now. Like they leave, like they'll leave on Tyrion and then the next episode they have no Tyrion. I'm like, nope, not acceptable. <laughs> not acceptable. <laughs> I don't care what's going on with Daenerys right now. Mm-hmm. I want to know what's going on with Tyrion right now. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's kind it, of a letdown. But it's interesting. It's almost like a, you almost wonder, like, is there like some mad scientist behind there going like human beings and their I- imagination like salivate they want us mm. to just sit there like this dog salivating such going. a good show but there is and i th- i hope that what uh, stranger things continues to be at least because they're what shooting season three right now mm-hmm. that um obviously that your role in the stories of the families because then there's also like the wheelers that you're almost like man i don't know this is like almost n- nauseating <laughs> to me in a way because you kind of have the parents that are like in denial right living in denial i i feel like the i feel like a lot of the parents are in denial but i feel like that's kind of normal because in the 80s i was riding my bike to the park when i was 10 Mm -hmm. i was eating my picnic lunch my parents had no idea where i was at there was Mm -hmm. no cell phones there were no nothing no so i feel like it's pretty indicative of the time where the parents were just like okay bye see you later you got stuff you got to do also, another thing I picked up on was this like relationship stuff. That's there's a whole lot of well, there, there there's some cheating going on, right? You know, uh, the wholesome Wheeler girl. Uh, you know, I, I don't who did she end up with? She's with. I was kind of shocked. I guess she's with the the character Steve, mm-hmm. and then she hooks up with Jonathan. Yeah, right. But Steve was like Steve was a mean guy season one, and then he became like a hero season two. Steve became like the cool mom yeah. in season two. Then he became awesome in season two. But season one, we were all like, Steve. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, like Steve in season one. He was such a jerk. <laughs> even then, though, because even uh, one of the white writer's character, she's with Sean Astin, right? Yeah. Um, R.I.P. Bob. She ends up <laughs> kind of like her and Hopper. It, that's a thing. I'm like, dude, I, just go for it. Like, you're, you've already like cheated. You already cheated. Up. I feel like they're going to end up together. And it'd be, but then that's kind of weird, though, because then Will in 11, like, what, what's going on now? I don't know. Like, I don't know because the Duffer brothers have talked about that they'll probably end it at season five. So at this point, you know, three more seasons to wrap everything up. Man. Yeah. So what do you think it's actually saying about? society now i mean the show because these are themes that millions of people aren't watching this and obsessed with this show because it's not hitting a nerve it's hitting several things what do you think it's actually saying to us i think it's a show that people our age can watch because we grew up then and -hmm. i think it's a show you know one of my sons is 13 Mm -hmm. so he can watch it because it's their age so i think it's a show that parents and kids can connect with I think it's a show that all sci-fi nerds love. So that hits another, mm-hmm. you know, group of people. And I think it's a show that, you know, I think people nowadays, they don't want to watch uh, shows with a ton of sex, a ton of violence, mm-hmm. a ton of, they want a show that is about storyline. And Stranger Things is very much about storyline. Mm-hmm. 
So I think it fulfills a lot of what people are looking for nowadays because mm-hmm. there's so many shows on the air that parents can't watch with their kids. Mm-hmm. And that maybe there's a couple things in Stranger Things. I remember when um, Nancy and Steve were getting it on mm-hmm. and I kind of was like, Ooh, I don't want my son to watch this. He's 13. <laughs> and I know he knows, but I was kind of like, eh. but that's very mild in comparison to what's going on in the television. That's true. So it is something where parents and kids can watch together and, that in itself is gold. Well, 80s culture has become something that these, I don't even, what, what generation are they now? Was it Z or something they call them? I don't, like past millennials? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the 80s thing's a huge thing. Like they'll have yeah, 80s nights. Yeah. And it's not, you don't see a bunch of, you know, middle-aged people there. It's, there's these 20-somethings, you know, yeah. that are enthralled with 80s culture. Yeah. I, I so it's almost fitting that it the show takes place, and I'm sure they probably didn't design it. It was probably their childhood that they're mimicking, you know, at least in the story and the settings. But it, it, it kind of like was at the right time. The show came out literally and was developed and created at the right time for people of my age group, at least, that lived through it and these younger generation that can go, this is cool. Yeah, for sure. I think they even have a, a what's that kid, the Dustin? Was that his name on mm-hmm. the show? Mm-hmm. Right? I, th- that's a thing. The hat and the look yeah. of his character. Yeah. It, it's and, and also in casting, which shows just how much technology has developed. Because did you have to go and read? Uh, how how were how you and many cast members? Many of us were cast with tape. Via? Via tape. Mm-hmm. Which is just, was it emailed or? Um, so, and... I, I do want to mention that Carmen Cuba casting and mm. Feldstein Paris casting. Feldstein Paris does the casting in Atlanta and Carmen, Cu- Car- Carmen Cuba casting does the casting in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and oversees all the casting. Both were nominated for an Emmy. Wow. So it just goes to show you don't have to bring actors in, in the room to know what you're looking for. I mean, those are very, very talented casting directors, um, Carmen and Tara and Chase and uh, and all of their staff. So. I do know that uh, a few of the kids, because of where they were, they were taping from home. I don't remember who, but one of the kids was actually sick. I want to say maybe it was Finn who was sick. And Mm -hmm. so he was taping from his bed. But his acting, you just see how good his acting is. Um, I was taping from home in Los Angeles. Um, Yeah. So we were just taping from home. And sometimes they would bring people in for producer sessions. I'm sure they did for the series regulars, but it just goes to show how far technology has come mm-hmm. where you don't necessarily need to bring someone in in person. You can just see how they are. And there's other things that go into that. I mean, I think if, you know, somebody was a brand new actor, they would want to see other tape or maybe bring them in. But, um, people who are experienced actors, they have reels that they can kind of mm-hmm. look at. And a reel is a variety of projects that somebody's worked on. So you can kind of see their mm-hmm. range as an actor. And that just gives production kind of, um, a security blanket like this person has been hired on other projects this person does have experience on set this person um like not gonna waste their time they're, they're able they're capable yeah yeah because it's it's every minute you have to wait on set uh for somebody that's a lot of money and that's a lot of people waiting mm-hmm. so a lot of people write me and they say how can i get on stranger things and it's um, you know people who aren't actors by trade and I understand because they're rabid fans and they want to be on the show. And I was a rabid fan as well, mm-hmm. season one. But it's very difficult because it's kind of like somebody saying, I want to be a dentist. How can I be a dentist? And <laughs> I would never want to go into a dentist's office and just have somebody you know, picking up my teeth randomly. Mm-hmm. 
And it's kind of like that with acting, like you have to get into a reputable class and you have to get a coach and Mm -hmm. you have to really, you know, work hard at your craft. It's like any other, any other job. And Mm. that's something that I feel a lot of people maybe don't understand. Um, It is like any other job that you need training and and experience doing. So when you got, so you were a fan season one. Mm -hmm. So then you get cast for the show. Yeah. And you have children. Yeah. What was what was the Marshall house like when the news fell? Well, um, my real name is not Marshall, so it was not the Marshall house. Okay. I won't say what my real name is, but um, my household was, um, my son was too young to know. Mm-hmm. My husband, I guess my husband and I were, and then my other son, we had not yet adopted him. Mm-hmm. So he was not uh, with us yet. Um, my daughters were out of the house, but, uh, they were pretty excited. It was just surreal. It was honestly just surreal. And it honestly did not hit me. I went and I filmed. It was amazing. It was wonderful. It was the, the hands down, the best set I had ever been Mm -hmm. on. And I've been on hundreds of sets. Mm -hmm. Um, it was amazing. So it did not hit me until October 27th at midnight when the season dropped I had watched episode eight and episode nine. I made sure that I wasn't cut because that's an actor's worst nightmare is you tell people to tune in and then you're cut. And sometimes that happens just because Mm -hmm. it's editor's preference or storyline. It just happens. It didn't hit me until the next morning. People had stayed up all night watching, watching the season. And Mm -hmm. then my phone started dinging at eight or nine when people were done and my phone started dinging. And that's when it really hit me. I'm on Stranger Things. Yeah. I'm the mother of a series regular. I'm the mother of this character. And the feeling was just completely overwhelming. I mean, the feeling of gratitude. Mm-hmm. This is me. How does this happen to me? It was your time. And I'm still overwhelmed with gratitude. Not only serving the military, but then now acting. You continue to serve, right? As far as in a role... As an advocate, right? Absolutely. And honestly, one of the things I love about being an actor is I can work three to four days a month mm-hmm. and the rest of my time I can devote to volunteer causes. Mm-hmm. That is what is so important to me. I enjoy acting. I do. And every once in a while, there's a role like Susan that I really, really enjoy. Um, but I like that I can have that time to give back. Mm-hmm. I can have that time to be a mother it allows me a lot of free time and I would like to get to a position where I can use my influence to help veterans because mm-hmm. I feel like we had Bob Hope who did so much for veterans. Mm-hmm. God, God rest his soul. We have Gary Sinise now who does so much to help veterans. Who's the Bob Hope of our generation. And I have nothing but respect for the man. And if I could do half as much as Gary Sinise has done, mm-hmm. that would make me happy. Um, that's all that I want to do with my platform is to help our nation's veterans Mm -hmm. because I feel like a lot of people come home and they're forgotten about. And that's absolutely unacceptable in my opinion. Mm -hmm. No one's service should go unappreciated. No one's service should go forgotten. And especially today in society where, I don't know, Ray, what is it? How many veterans kill themselves every day? 22 a day. So we have 22 veterans every single day, at least statistically and and i've read studies that that's a gross um miscalculation that it's actually more than that yeah there's probably which is just sad even that that anybody who has served your country 
given, you know, paid the ultimate price of serving has taken their lives, not only for their families. And so for you, you're out there, you, you haven't like turned your back. You're not like, Hey, I'm successful. I'm doing my thing. I've moved on. That was another chapter in my book. You've stayed tuned into you're, you're like a human being, which a lot of times people, especially go to Hollywood or in, I say Hollywood, quote unquote, they become a caricature of themselves. Those are my brothers and sisters. Mm. And I have taken issue with a few other veterans who have, I feel, moved on too much. Mm. Those are my brothers and sisters, and I refuse to turn my back on them. Because I book something that has very little to do with who I am and very much to do with the community. Mm. And everything that I book, if I can use that as a platform for the community to say, look, we're not all broken. We're not all this and that and whatever the media wants to portray us as. There are some veterans who really are doing well. And I feel like if I can push the narrative that there are veterans who are doing well, who are community leaders and politicians and business owners and and parents, if there are veterans who are doing well, that can help the veteran community as a whole because all the media wants to talk about are the veterans who are doing poorly. And I feel like that hurts our community as a whole mm. because then we can't employ veterans because people say, well, we don't want to employ them because they have PTSD, they have issues with MST, they're unemployable, they'll go on a rampage. And I feel like if we can change the narrative as to be more inclusive as to positive experiences veterans are having, that can help our brothers and sisters who are struggling. Mm. But if it bleeds, it leads. And the media wants to focus on the small number of veterans who aren't doing well. I want to change the narrative so that we can better help our brothers and sisters mm -hmm. who aren't doing well. That's a tough one. That's a tough one because it is, you know, a tremendous homeless population, mm -hmm. um, drug addicted because of needs and maybe psychological or physical traumas to some degree. And I completely put place the blame here, here's the issue with that. In the military, we have two to three months in boot camp mm -hmm. to transform from civilians to soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, or coast guardmen. Mm -hmm. We have five to ten days to transform back into civilians through wow. TAPS class, Transition Assistance Program. It's not comparable. You cannot become civilian in 10 days. So I have people constantly reaching out to me, especially people who joined the military at 17, 18, they have no idea what a civilian resume looks like. They have no idea what to do. Some of them have never had a job outside the military. They've always had their rent paid for them. They've always had everything taken care of. And then they go to get out and they're completely overwhelmed. They don't know how to enroll in college. They don't know how to get a job. They have no idea. So the military really, the onus is really on the military to say, we need to better prepare these people to get out mm -hmm. because this is how you have this problem with people getting out and being completely overwhelmed. And when you're overwhelmed, Yes, there's problems with homelessness. There's problems with substance abuse. Absolutely. People aren't trained well enough or screened well enough before they deploy. And of course, there's problems with post-traumatic stress. Of course, there is. Mm. And I don't like the term PTSD, mm. post-traumatic stress disorder, because I feel like when we say disorder, that that's saying that there is something wrong with their reaction to combat. Post-traumatic stress is absolutely a normal thing to experience when you go through combat, when you go through military sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. I prefer the term PTS because, to me, that's a normal experience, a normal reaction to those experiences. It would be abnormal not to react. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. But it's also the, the fact of seeing that here they are in plain sight, 
And I think even I saw a documentary on inmates who, when they're getting out, they actually do have classes for them to transition back to, you know, being out of incarcerated mm-hmm. and how they could only give a couple of days to military who have been essentially programmed to become soldiers, mm-hmm. sometimes broken, I believe. Some of these branches of the military believe they need to re-break you and then reshape you in their own image to give them then, you know, that's that's shocking to think that these folks who who have given so much for whatever our country's agendas are around the world or stateside to not receive that as, you know, it's like getting out of a plane going, just flap your wings, your arms really fast right. and hope you land, right? you know, or you hit a tree on the way down. That's not as bad. It's, it's shocking. And as veterans, we're so proud. So we get out and we don't say, Hey mom and dad, I need to come live with you for three to six months so I can get my crap together. I need to come live with a roommate. I need to come and get settled. No, no, no. We will say, no, I've got this. I've got this. It can't be that hard. I've been on deployment. I've been shot at. All these things have happened. We tend to take on too much. And especially female veterans, I'll speak from that perspective. Female veterans are the last people to take care of themselves because many of us have children. No, I'll take care of the kids. I'll take care of the husband. I'll take care of everybody but myself. And then by the time you try to take care of yourself, you've had it up to here and you can't even see. You're buried. So... Yes, I think it's on the military. And I think it's also, I think veterans who surround themselves with other veterans when they get out, they do much better. Mm. But so many veterans are in positions where they don't and they don't have those other veterans to rely on. And it's almost impossible because who do you turn to? Who do you talk to? Mm. It's hard. It's hard and you try to talk to people and people don't understand. So I'm a proud member of the American Legion post 43 in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And a lot of veterans I talk to will say, oh, the American Legion, I'm not going there. That's full of a bunch of old people. Well, I would challenge you if if your Legion is full of a bunch of quote unquote old people, then be that first young person Mm -hmm. who joins and brings other young people on board. Because the American Legion is the reason we have the GI Bill. So we want to continue that advocacy for veterans and we want to make it our legion and that's what happened at our legion it was one young veteran who joined and brought another one on and another one and another one and now we have a softball team and a running team and we have a ton of young veterans at our post as well as a ton of world war ii veterans Mm -hmm. korean veterans vietnam veterans so it's like a community a community of people of like-minded and maybe even same similar experiences maybe not because i think you were where uh you went and you participated in was iraqi i was deployed in support of operation iraqi freedom in 2003 so, I mean, it's people that can maybe not specific, like, yeah, I was exactly at this place and experienced this exact thing, but there's that similar life experience. It's the bond. Where life skills may be lacking because now you're back into the civilian world. There's always someone there that you can relate to on some level. Hmm. Always somebody. Hey, I'm thinking about going to law school. Oh, okay, well, there's these two lawyers at our post. Talk to them. Hmm. Oh, I'm thinking about going to the police academy oh there's these two police officers here it provides you with a network if you don't have a network of other veterans it makes transitioning a lot harder Mm. a lot harder it's heartbreaking it's it's it is one of those things that um maybe to show not only the positive and and to show because it's kind of like in order to you got to have a contrast you know Mm -hmm. there's always a contrast to make something real because if you know without death there is no life right you know and unfortunately it's one of those things that it falls by 
the wayside and it's not an issue of great importance and um it's it's one of the and i i applaud you for for not turning your back on these on this is your it's part of your life it's not something that's a, a notch in the belt that you were able to put on your resume it's because you went in at what 17 at 17 and, and i feel like ethically and morally if i use this as something most veterans in hollywood use it as a pitch some way or somehow mm-hmm. i was a veteran Sometimes we get called in for veteran roles. I hardly ever book veteran roles because I'm not what they assume a veteran looks like. I used to get very angry about that. No, veterans come in all shapes and sizes. We look like everybody. Now I get it. Mm -hmm. I'm just not what they perceive to be a veteran. So I've accepted that and I realize, you know what? It gets me in the office and Mm -hmm. my talent will get me another role perhaps. We all use it in some form or fashion. So... Ethically and morally, if you use it in some form or fashion, as you should, because the Mm. years that we spent serving our country are years that we were not in Hollywood Mm. networking, and so it put us behind. You can't then turn your back on the community and say, well, I'm using it to get ahead, but well, y'all are on your own. It doesn't work that way. And I used to be general manager of a group called Veterans in Film and Television, which is now called Veterans in Media and Entertainment. And one of the things I love about that group is that it's a very cohesive group that's very supportive and Mm -hmm. it's directors and writers producers actors and it's everybody coming together to celebrate one another's successes Mm -hmm. and it's not you booked that Ooh, i'm jealous of you absolutely not if another veteran books something and it's a five two blonde if they're booking a five two blonde they are not looking to book a six foot tall redhead (laughs) she's not my competition so it is all about supporting each other and that's what i want if another vet books something that's a win for the community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And one thing I found too is, well, first I'll show your, this is what, this photo here. That was, oh my, I'm so fresh faced. <laughs> <sighs> that was when I received my enlisted aviation warfare specialist mm-hmm. um, designation. And... That was 2003 on deployment. So this, this, this is proof positive here. This is you, <laughs> you were you were actually there, you know, just because, you know, some people maybe they don't. And this is like you, you don't hide it. And not only because you, you, you the advocacy stuff you do, but you put it there. And I'm like, you know, I actually I, I couldn't even really find too many. Like, I don't even think I found any on your on your Instagram. Maybe there's more I didn't look at, but of like roles. Like, look at me at this. Look at I see no, military stuff because I'm I'm freaking proud of it. Yeah, it's yeah. It made me it made me who I am. It's so funny. I always joke with people. I said one of these days I'm gonna come out of stolen valor that I really never served <laughs> and that I've fooled you all and which would be like the ultimate ha ha because it, you know I'm so well known as a veteran in the mm-hmm. community and. Um, that would just be like the ultimate like what? Um, I, I didn't snag the picture, but I saw the one with you and Ollie North. Oh and, yeah, and, and, the, and literally, I just zoomed right in. I'm like, "Why is the dude sweating?" I mean, oh, he was, was like from armpit to shoulder. I think that I almost didn't post it because he was so sweaty, and I was like, "Am I making Ollie North that sweaty?" He's all, "Are you wired? You got a wire? Got a wire?" <laughs> yeah, I was making him very sweaty. <laughs> that was years, years, years back. And so this was uh, this photo here is you dressed ironically as a pinup sailor, right? Yes. Um, because you were also, are you part of, or you were part of, was it the pinup? Yes. 
Yes, I would love to talk about this. I am a proud ambassador of a congressionally recognized award-winning nonprofit called Pinups for Vets. Mm -hmm. Pinups for Vets, uh, we just had a visit actually at the West LA VA. We dress up as World War II era pinup girls and we visit veterans in hospitals, nursing homes, and wounded warrior detachments. Mm. I love this group. We will visit veterans and sometimes people have not had a visit in days, weeks, months. Sometimes we are there only visitor for their entire stay. Um, Some of my favorite veterans to visit, because sometimes they'll say, well, you're dressed up as, as, you know, girls, and how is that that good for the female veterans? Well, gosh, some of my favorite veterans to visit are the women veterans, because those older female veterans paved the way for women like me to serve. Mm -hmm. So that is the most special time is to meet those those 80 women in their 80s and 90s and to just say thank you. Because oh. if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have been able to serve. Awesome. And that group is so important to me and so near and dear to my heart. Wasn't the the lady that, uh, what the plane the window shot out or something or something happened and it turned out to be the first female Air Force pilot? Oh, I'd have to look that up. Yeah. That Did they one. think she was a man or something? <laughs> no, it was, it was, uh, I think, uh, the, uh, the president there even had her visit. I think it was the one where the, oh, the, the Southwest? window blow. Yeah. The window. Okay. What was it? Have you listened to the cockpit recording? So she was hardcore. She was a fighter Steel. pilot in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Tammy Jo Schultz. Am I, is that her name? Tammy Jo Schultz. Um, I know it was Tammy. Is that her last name? It's been a while since, um, please forgive me if I'm getting her name wrong. I listened to the cockpit reporting and I was recording and I was like, this badass woman, mm-hmm. she was a Navy fighter pilot and she's so calm, cool and collected through the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, go Navy. <laughs> I was like, I would have been freaking out. I mean, I don't know, like, you know, whatever, but I was like this woman and it is one of those things, those facts that we don't realize that the military for whatever reason had issues and at a certain time in the past, mm-hmm. uh, which has now gotten over. And this was like the woman who broke a barrier. She was so incredible when that happened. It made me so proud that she was a veteran. And then I think a few days after that, she was veteran of the day through the VA. Mm. And the VA sometimes gets a bad route. I mean, yes, it's, it's part of a institution. It's nothing obviously when this world works. It's a bureaucracy Mm -hmm. and it's hard. And I have met with leaders from the VA with Mm -hmm. pinups for vets. We met with them in February. And I can tell you that the people who run the VA, it matters to them. Mm -hmm. Veterans matter to them. Love him or hate him. I will not comment on my politics here, but President Trump has fired a lot of people in the VA. And I feel like that's important. So if you are liberal or conservative or somewhere in the middle, you at least have to give credit where credit is due. People mm-hmm. deserve to be fired and they were fired. Um, there still are changes to be made within the VA. It's a bureaucracy. It will take a while. But the people at the top care, I personally have cell phone numbers of people at the VA. And they said, if you ever experience A, B, and C, if you ever have an issue with A, B, and C, you call us. Mm. That to me shows that people care. So all we can do is try to fix it little by little. There are still horror stories happening where vets go in, like what we talked about this morning. The vet went in, tried to get services, was turned away and shot himself. It's a tragedy. It's horrible. It should never happen. That should never happen. Um, 
all we can do is aim for greater accountability, demand greater accountability, and hope that nonprofits step in where the VA has failed. So if so, if you if someone's out there listening or watching this, um, and they've experienced, you know, whatever it is, some sort of trauma in their life from whether it's the military service or just a regular civilian, but more so for those that do come back and can't transition into life who are struggling and maybe they are sitting there thinking about ending their life. Mm -hmm. Um, If you could tell them one thing, what would you tell them? I would say, because someone had said to me once, what would you know? Your life is perfect. And I said to them, no, I experienced an MST when I was enlisted. Something that could have ruined my life. What is it? A military sexual trauma. Hmm. Something that could have ruined my life. Something that derailed my life for several years. Something that put me in therapy. That put me on medication. That was very difficult to deal with. But this person didn't know that. Because they looked at my life now and said, what would you know? You have it all together. I would say to them, we are not what happens to us. We are not victims. You can choose to be a victim. You can choose to be a victor. I chose to be a victor because I could not control what had happened to me, but I could sure as hell control my reaction to it. And I was not going to give that person any more power over me by allowing that person to dictate my life and what happened in my life. So I would say if you're thinking about ending it, look around at all the people who care about you, all the people who would be hurt, all the people who would be affected, and reach out for help. Because so many people say, no one would care. I don't have anyone to talk to. There's a very, very wonderful group on Facebook called Drinkin' Bros Vigilant Guard. There's a podcast called Drinkin' Bros. This is a subset of the podcast group, and it's just people trying to help each other who are going through a hard time. And if you ever post in that group and say, guys, this is how I'm feeling. I'm feeling down. I'm feeling like I shouldn't be here anymore. You will see dozens, if not hundreds of people chime in to show that they care and they don't even know you. Mm. So if you think it doesn't matter and you think that people don't care, you're just wrong. Hmm. You're just wrong because people do. Not only has your life, I mean, it's this, there's so much to it, but you've also not only accomplished, you know, success in, in, in acting, but also you've continued on in your higher education, right? I have. Recently you received a master's degree, right? I did. Or earned, I should say earned. Congratulations. Thank you. It was like, it was like the school that never ends. (laughs) Yeah, it was forever. You know, I I had a goal sheet that I made and I I used to make my daughters do it when they were little. Oh, they hated me for it. Um, I'd say, where do you want to be when you're, you know, when you finish high school? I'd, you know, have them write this whole list and they'd be like, this is so dumb. And I had on my list, finish my master's by 32. Ha ha, that didn't happen. Um, That did not happen. And I explained to my son, 
I said, I had him write his first goal sheet. And I said, look, I did not finish my master's by 32. And he said, you failed, mom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I said, no, that's not the point. I said, the point is, it doesn't matter if you do it by the deadline. I adopted two wonderful children in that time period, which is why I didn't finish it by 32. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. So no, I didn't finish it by 32, but I did finish it. And that's what matters. And sometimes life throws curveballs at you. And that's fine because sometimes the curveballs are amazing, delicious, wonderful surprises. Um, What matters is that I finished it. And when you finish that, no one's ever going to say to you, and how long did it take you to get your master's? (laughs) Right. No one's ever going to say that. They're just going to say, and what did you get your master's in? Mm -hmm. So I told them, you just have to plug away. And I plugged away. It was literally one class at a time, followed by a break. One class at a time, followed by a break. One class at a time, followed by a break. But you got there. But I got there. And it's in, uh, what is it, criminal? It's uh, in administration of justice, which is criminal justice with an emphasis on police administration. Nice. Yeah. So what's what's on the horizon? Hopefully, Duffer Brothers, you put her in more episodes and you expand on the stories of families. But um, what what's on the horizon for you that you can share? You know, um, I have a lot of things <laughs> that are pending. So as an actor, you book all these things and you shoot all these things. And like my mother always says, when can I see it? Good question. Um, good question. I have this amazing movie. It's um, what? So if a trilogy is three movies, what's four movies? Quadruple G. Quadruple. Quadrilogy. I don't know. I should know this, right? Yeah. So there's uh, this amazing set of movies called Texas Zombie Wars. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like Walking Dead. It's very gritty. It's amazing. Um, those should be coming out. I thought in July, but I think they pushed it some more. Um, I play Tough as Nails. Um, Agent Lane, and she is she works for New Texas. Uh, New Texas happens after the apocalypse, mm-hmm. and so she's a bureaucrat for New Texas, and she doesn't take any shit. And oh, okay. so I could see that. Uh, yeah, so I she's very much like the worst part of Jennifer. So I play her. She's coming out and I just booked a co-star on a show that I can't talk about. And I just shot a small role in a film called Stuber with Kumail Nanjiani from Silicon Valley. And I have a small role in A Dog's Way Home, which is a sequel to A Dog's Purpose. That's Mm -hmm. coming out next year. So I have a lot of things that are coming out. They just haven't come out yet. And um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm impressed. I'm impressed with not only the the fact that you know you landed this role in Stranger Things, which is you know I think is 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 a is a sliver in my estimation at least because of your journey. I think the journey of life of uh, experiencing what you experienced. I mean, I don't know very many people that go into the military at 17, and I think you're in there till what 22. I think. Yeah. I yeah. read. Um, to me, is like wow, that's like kind of already early adulthood where most people are getting out, finished already their degrees and, you know, uh, landing jobs or whatever, moving in their parents' garage. I don't know. Well, it's crazy but, because I was like, at 19, I was balancing a $1 million budget. Wow. Like, Uncle Sam, what are you thinking? <laughs> but that tremendous, <laughs> in the best way. Yeah, tremendous responsibility in that you handled it and to be able to walk in now to whatever auditions or readings or whatever it is, to be able to, that with that confidence, to me is impressive and then the fact that you've you've kept that part of your life still you haven't you know some people and it's cool you do a shadow box and that you know your stuff's there but to keep it in the forefront without and 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 having that bond as you shared earlier about having this bond with this community regardless of 
you know branch of, of military is uh, something that I, I'm to me is like way above any accomplishment because and then having kids adopting my god it's like what, what are you gonna do are you gonna cure cancer next <laughs> like it's, they're it's, the best they're like the best ever and i would so i would so tell people if you're thinking about having a child sometimes adoption is a last resort for people mm-hmm. no maybe make it a first resort look into it you mm-hmm. know there's so many kids in the foster system there's so many kids who need homes there's so many kids who are up for adoption just look into it so you're 13 you said you had a 13 year old right yes uh-huh. so does he like, hey, my mom's on Stranger Things type thing? or Yes. And I told him, I said, you have to be very careful about that. Oh. Um, you know, when he told people at school, I said, know who your friends are before oh. and then after. And he's real hip to it. He's really hip to it. Afterwards, I spoke at career day at school and then all these people started coming out of the woodwork and he was like, uh-huh. <laughs> Sure. So, oh, fan interactions. Have you had in, via social media or actually in person? Have you had any creepy, like, like something that you're just like, this is slightly, this is stranger things? Mm, not creep. Thank goodness, not creep. Not creepy. Thank goodness. I have, I like to go on Instagram and I like to go on the fan made accounts that the kids do. Mm. And I like to like some of their pictures because they freak out. Because you know, most of the most of the people in the cast they they probably don't do it or they they don't have time, you know. Mm. But if I'm like waiting at the DMV or something, I'll go through and I'll like it, and I'm like, oh my god, Max's mom liked my stuff, and it just makes me happy to to make people happy. Mm. So they'll post it in their story and freak out, and I like doing that. And then um, you know, my friend Gina who runs pinups for vets, every time we're we're out, if she sees someone in a Stranger Things shirt, she'll say, do you like Stranger Things? Jennifer's in Stranger Things and then <laughs> we'll watch them freak out and it's just nice because I'm in a position to make people happy mm. and to take a picture with somebody or to just make a video for like their kid or something mm. I really 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 like that and my friend Tyler who interviewed me for YouTube he introduced me to this app called Cameo and you can make little videos for people um, just to say like hi and little shout outs and stuff. Mm. And I love that. And you can put like a small price on it. So I put $10 and the money that I make goes towards sponsoring a child's uh, tuition that I sponsor in Uganda so that Mm. he can go to school. So all the money goes to charity, but I love making these little videos for like kids and their kids' moms Mm -hmm. and stuff. And it just makes me happy to make other people happy. So that that's something that's interesting to to see that you're actually giving back and not just by your service but to actually go hey you know if this can generate funds to help somebody in another part of the world yeah that it's that's very it's a rare quality that's a very rare quality it's a student that i taught when i volunteered there in 2013 and 2014 and um he had nine brothers and sisters and his father died of hiv and his mother um I believe she was mentally ill and she left the family. Wow. So he really has no other way to go to school and he's a very good student. So I told him I would cover his school fees until university because for an American, it's very little money. Mm-hmm. For Ugandan, it's not doable. So um, I didn't feel right about charging for videos and pocketing the money because yeah. I didn't make Stranger Things. That's the Duffer Brothers. I was just blessed to get cast. So this is a way I can justify the small fee and have it go to a good cause. So it, it all works out. So do you prefer then that people just know you as Max's mom or do you want them to go, I'm Susan Hargrove, the character? <laughs> Nobody knows who Susan Hargrove is. I mean, they do if they're like super fans. But if I were to say I'm Susan Hargrove, they'd be like, 
if I say I'm Max's mom, they're like, oh my God, you're Max's mom. So I'm fine with whatever. So uh, so you mentioned your project. Where can people find you at um, on online, social media? So my website is jennifermarshall.com. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Jen13, Jen13, and that's J-E-N-N-1-3, J-E-N-N-1-3. Or you can find me on Facebook. And I do a lot of Facebook Lives. Um, so it's facebook.com backslash actress Jennifer Marshall. Awesome. Awesome. Have you had a good time? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to have you here. I mean, I, I think I, that's how I, I just commented on, on, uh, one of your posts on Instagram and I'm like, Hey, it'd be awesome to have you on the show. And you're like, yeah, I and love interacting start- with people on, on Instagram. I love yeah. it. And I'm a fan of the show. I am. I, I started rewatching a little bit cause you know, when you don't watch something yeah. cause you binge watch it. Yeah. Although Netflix, what they should do, here's my, here's my two cents and I'm probably a penny short, <laughs> but I started watching this show on Netflix called Mr. Sunshine. Okay. It's a Korean. It, it's all, it's not even in English. There's a little bit of English, but it's all about subtitles. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, um, but it's about like Korea when different nations were there in the 1800s trying to oh, wow. muscle their way. Okay. Uh, America being one. Um, but anyways, they release weekly episodes. So it, it, it keeps me hooked, you know, I'm kind of like just looking for that thing that says new episode available because when it's the binge situation, yeah, you're like, there's like two or three days worth of my life, you know, that I know. Gonna, I know. but you watch it, 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 you become addicted. It makes you, yeah, totally. so that would be nice if they... Well, you know how horrible it was because I didn't have the time to binge the whole season of season two when Stranger mm. Things came out. So for the first couple of days, people were texting me spoilers that Bob was dead. <laughs> I was so mad. I was like, guys, the cast does not get the whole script. Love you all. But why are you doing this? So I knew like the next day Bob had died. Bob Newby, Sean Astin's character guy. He became a chew toy. R.I.P. Bob. (laughs) I can't remember what movie did come out in the 80s. Several, I know. Goonies. Goonies. It he also, was so famous. It almost has that Goonies stand by me quality. Young kids tr- coming of age trying to solve a mystery. Yeah, for sure. Right. Another yeah, Duffer Brothers. Uh, you could tell they're fans of a lot of genres and a lot of iconic stuff. And I'm glad they, they cast you. Um, me too. In this, I'm uh, biased, but me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matt and Ross. So is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrap it up? No, I think we've totally hit on everything thank you so much for having me martin no, what, a, awesome. what a blast awesome i'm glad you had a good time and the 13th floor wasn't too hopefully the doorman was pretty nice <gasps> to you. man i had to walk up all those stairs <laughs> <laughs> all right so i'll wrap it up so make sure you check out jennifer marshall she put all the handles uh jennifermarshall.com uh on in, on instagram jen 13 jen 13 and so until next time be well my friends